moving, I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of B-Balls, my home is throw exceptions. Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program tonight, Damien, a British grinder, also partner with DangerousThings.com, Cooper, a Texan sysadmin that's new to the biohacking scene, Cursor, a British graduate student specializing in RF technology. So up first, we want to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. If you or your organization are interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter via Dangerous Minds Podcast or www.dangerousminds.io and we'll be glad to talk to you about it. So this week on Dangerous Minds Podcast, we have Jeff Tibbetts. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Would you mind starting by introducing yourself and telling us what biohacking means to you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Jeffrey Tibbetts. I'm a grinder working out of my lab in Tehachapi, California. Um, to me, biohacking is a novel way to make changes in the world. You know, through biohacking, we can extend our ability to experience and, in theory, um, formulate better or even new ways of responding to that stimuli and then respond via means that were previously impossible. For example, devices like the bottlenose or implanted magnets, it allows us to sense the electromagnetic spectrum. Uh, nootropics and cognitive enhancers and devices like TCS, um, uh, you know, they aspire to make us better thinkers. Uh, in terms of responding, there are a myriad of projects hoping to link the nervous system directly to devices so that we can respond more directly rather than fumbling with a mouse or a touch screen. You know? um, even beyond this, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of hard to try to stick all these projects in a box because, you know, there's a lot of projects, they, they just don't fit even the model I'm giving. You know, a lot of people are really interested in projects that are uh, entirely aesthetic in nature. Nature. Or, you know, I know people who are working on altering, you know, either chemicals or how the body responds to a chemical in order to get a better high, you know. And uh, admittedly, this too is biohacking. When did you get into biohacking and why? Um, you know, when I was in college, I was really into anatomy and physiology. And when you start studying medications, um, it's interesting because you run across so-called so side effects that some might consider desirable. You know, uh, like if you read into, uh, if you read the Parkinson drug, uh, Levodopa, it has side effects like uh, increased sexuality and compulsive gambling. You know, I guess that's a 50-50. But, uh, you know, if you look at medications for Alzheimer's dementia, a number of the drugs they use, they have cognitive benefits regardless of whether you have Alzheimer's or not. Um, even lithium has been shown to increase brain mass in a region of the brain associated with decision making. You know, so to me, I, I you know, this all just kind of seems like low-hanging fruit. I mean, there's been so much research done. Um, there's tons of chemicals that have never really been brought to market that have a lot of potential, um, you know, even uh, beyond medication or, or chemicals, when you look at assistive devices like hearing aids, you know, it's, it's humorous that none of them are designed to actually provide better than average hearing. We have so many devices out there, they're just, you know, ripe to be tweaked. So I guess uh, my initiation into biohacking was really when I decided to go ahead and start experimenting with this stuff. So, I mean, you, you talk about there like a lot of different types of projects, and obviously we've had a lot of speakers on that, that means like biohacking means something different to them. Um, the pure range of your projects is obviously so diverse. So I was just asking sort of um in your opinion what what do the terms biohacking hacking and grinding sort of mean to you and um your own grind as it were uh really you know i that's one of those um questions that doesn't mean a lot to me i mean it's uh you know i, I have a group of people i work with and they're interested in similar things um and you know when you start talking about biohacking uh, the term has become so so muddled i mean there are people who take vitamins and call it biohacking or you know they're running at the gym and they call themselves a biohacker and then on the other side of the spectrum you have people who are cutting themselves open and implanting things and you know that oh i'm a biohacker you know it really the term biohacking is almost at this point uh, it, it's just it's almost a ruined term in my my opinion you know grinding grinding specific to um uh kind of the group that's uh operates out of the biohack.me uh website and uh you know i, I think that in terms of that term uh, it, it really gets away from a lot of the other stuff like transhumanism and biohacking and this is it's uh you know it's really uh, more people who are actually doing things you know we're, we're less interested in talking theory talking about you know products that in theory will come out or you know where the world's going to turn or change you know once these things happen or whatever and it's, it's really more people that are like hey look you know i tried uh, using this it didn't work and you know does anybody have any suggestions yeah hey you try this type of tubing it works great you know it's uh, uh even that though there's a lot of people who uh kind of bristle at the term grinding you know there's uh the grinder site which is uh entirely has different intent than, uh, than what the biohack.me site has so i mean really what it comes down to is it's um it's really more of a community so the terminology you use is less relevant than what the people themselves are doing and uh, i think um all those terms are almost used interchangeably have you ever had implants before and removed them why were they removed um what implants do you currently have oh gosh um 
you know what? I've had uh, many, many, many implants and uh, many that have been removed. Uh, okay, so um, I was involved with uh, Dangerous Things working on uh, developing the uh, implantable magnets. So testing out a lot of different coatings. And, you know, you'll go through, you'll, you'll do a certain amount of testing on it. And, you know, toxicity testing or just, you know, surface uh, testing to see how well it holds up to different conditions. And, uh, you know, you always get to the point where it's like, okay, is this ready to be implanted? And uh, obviously we have to try it in somebody. So um, I've had had a ton of magnets and uh, pulled them out at various periods, you know, and uh, for further testing. And, um, you know, also uh, I was involved with testing the, what are they calling it? Firefly, I think it's, uh, it's implantable um, little cylinders that are full of tritium. So they glow. And so I had some of the first of those, those tritium implants in my hand and, uh, oh yeah, they, they are pretty cool. They, they glow pretty well. Um, uh, you know, so I was involved with testing those. Um, God, I've had a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, a number of different, just kind of experimental stuff, uh, stuff that didn't necessarily work out, you know, glass cylinders with magnets that would vibrate or, or different stuff like that, that I've put in, pulled out, and for one reason or other, either uh, just kind of uh, written off. So quite a bit. Um, well, one of the projects that you have been working on, and we've noted in the past, and everyone's seen the, the threads on it on biohack.me, is the night vision eye drops. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about that without revealing too much if you're still working on anything with it? <laughs> yeah, actually, okay, so that's, uh, okay, so a lot of people get two projects. This was actually two projects, okay, so the original project that I was working on that actually had some success was uh, regarding a, a variant of vitamin A, it's vitamin A2, um, and this variant is what's found in the eyes of, for example, freshwater fish, and uh, this gives them, uh, uh, they actually can see much higher into the, um, uh, into the vision, they have a much higher visual spectrum, you know, we normally go, I think it's around 760 nanometers is about as far as human vision tends to go, and they can get closer to like 850, um, so, you know, this was a huge pain in the ass project, it was, uh, you know, I didn't eat anything containing vitamin A for six months, and there's a, um, there's a protocol they use with rats in order to get rid of vitamin A to where you're injecting retinol, and um, you're doing it, you know, uh, periodically, so, you know, all of a sudden your body is convinced it has a large amount of vitamin A, then it's convinced it has no vitamin A, the problem is, is you know, your, your liver stores an enormous amount of vitamin A, so, you know, when you're looking at people, you know, in third world countries that have that blindness that comes from a lack of vitamin A, that's not something like, hey, I haven't had a vitamin A in a month, that's like, I haven't had vitamin A in years. Okay. Um, so, you know, that, that was the big hard part was trying to get past that, that how do I get all of this vitamin A out of my liver so that when I'm taking this vitamin A2, which by the way is quite expensive. So, you know, I really don't want it to be like a wasteful process, you know, doing something like taking an enormous amount of it. It's just, that wasn't, that wasn't in the cards. So, um, you know, it's, it ended up being really terrible eating sludge for a good three months or six months. And then, uh, uh after that it was, um, just dietary. It was a dietary A2 regimen. And, um, this vitamin A2 replaces the vitamin A in your eyes. So then your eyes are able to see into, um, uh, you know, higher, uh, a, a farther along the spectrum. Um, and actually I, we had devices that, um, that I built that had LEDs and these LEDs, um, they were able to shine at particular frequencies. So, you know, I had one at 750 and it's like, oh yeah, anyone can see the 750. This is, this is normal vision, you know, and then you have the 850, which in theory, no one should be able to see. And then you get up to like the 950 and the 1050 and, um, you know, you definitely can't see that. Okay. And well, in order to test it, to see how well it was working, um, uh, I was doing an EEG and trust me, you never, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. An EEG, it's an electro, um, I'm sorry, an ERG, electroretinogram. It's, uh, it's terrible. I mean, you're essentially putting a, an electrode in your eye and then it's recording what your eye is doing in terms of signals coming out of your eye. And uh, just, I mean, just imagine taking like a piece of wire and sticking it under your eyelid and oh God, it's, it's, it's really bad. And beyond that, it's really difficult to do and get a good signal. So, um, you know, I can talk about the project in terms of the data that, um, that I got out of it. And uh, it looked like I got a, a couple really good recordings where the flashing light, I would, you know, I would have the flashing light in front of me at 850 nanometers and the ERG, the results would show that for each of those flashes, I actually had a, a big depolarization that showed up on the ERG, which is showing, hey, look, my eye is actually picking up this light that I shouldn't be able to, sh shouldn't be responding to. So obviously something's changed. Um, there, there are problems with this. Okay, so for example, uh, if you look up the light spectrum coming off of LEDs, it's not as if they have this pure light. It's, it's only at 760. It actually, you know, hey, it, it kind of bleeds down towards the, you know, 700s and you know uh it it, it bleeds upwards so uh i don't know i can't say for sure all i can say is that anyone and including my my control data previously prior to making this change um i could not 
I, I didn't have that bleep, you know, and then after doing this project, I did have this bleep. Um, but it's, you know, it's kind of shoddy work I, and I'll be the first to admit it, but you know, Hey, if you give me enough money, I, I'll do it again. <laughs> it's great, but it's really difficult to do. I and mean, there are people who definitely, they go to school to do ARGs and, you know, it's, I'm a guy who built the, you know, the unit using some design off of the internet and soldering it together. And I'm not even terribly good at that, but, uh, you know, it looks like, it looks like I got some pretty good results off of it. Um, I, I looks like I, my eye became sensitive to about 850 nanometers. That's hundred nanometers or so out of, uh, out of the normal range of human vision. Now going beyond that though, um, just kind of, uh, experience that I, experiences that I had during this project is, uh, uh, you know, I go out hiking, uh, nearly every night just to try to see how, how what worked in, I was just running circles around people. I mean, my night vision was, was, was really enhanced. I mean, I, I just, you know, but once again, this is totally subjective and I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to admit it. So it could be totally bogus. It could be expectation that my night vision is going to be better. I mean, there, there's a lot of explanations for this beyond, you know, Hey, look, I, I made night vision, but it really looked promising. Um, the second project was actually the C6 project. That was the eye drops because we're really, you know, I was, I was really looking for a way to get around all of this dietary, uh, uh, uh pain in the ass stuff that I had to do. So, um, we're looking at uh, C6 is used to also, it's actually, um, deep sea fish and deep sea fish. Um, apparently they pick up this chemical from eating, um, these other organisms that have the C6, and then it gets impregnated on the outside of the retina. And um, when you hit it with light, it will absorb that light, you know, at the higher frequencies that we can't see, it'll, it'll absorb that light, and then it'll re-emit it at a, at a frequency that you can actually see. So this is kind of how it's being used in deep sea fish. The problem is, is that C6 is also used in phototherapies for cancer. So if you have a high dose of it, and then you hit them with a laser at the right frequency, um, it produces free radicals, and you kill the cells nearby. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of these things where you know, people are always asking like, hey, can you give me some? Can I play with it? This, this, and it's like, ah, it's not the greatest. It really isn't. And in terms of results, you know, we never really tested it with an ERG. We never really played around with it beyond just a, a one-time shot. Um, uh, I know some other people who did try it and they reported that, um, strangely enough, they didn't seem to have their, their night vision enhanced much, but planets really stood out. And I, I don't know why. I have no explanation for this, but uh, that's, that's what I was told with this. Um, so going forward with the project, uh, this is actually something we're doing for the next crime fest is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in moving forward with any of the photosensitizers in the C6. It's just, you know, you really can't go up in dosage. If you go up in dosage, now you're in a place where the person now has to be in a dark room or you're risking having, uh, you know, the vessels in their eyeball occluding and going blind overall, which is, you know, uh, loss of vision is not the goal. Um, I really do think that the dehydroretinol, the, the vitamin A2, I think that there's a lot of potential there. Um, and so we're working right now to make a iontophoresis system. Um, basically, you can pass drugs through the skin or through membranes relatively easy if they're positively charged, and you put this charge uh, right on, on, on that layer. So um, there are systems they develop. There's um, a commercial system that came out not that long ago. I believe it's, it's something like the like iShot 2 or something like that, and, uh, and that's exactly what it does. You can pass drugs directly through the eye. And uh, um, there's some research that was indicating that people who have uh, a vitamin A deficiency and they're starting to have vision problems, um, they could actually pass vitamin A right through the eye using this device. So, of course, the first thing that pops in my mind is, well, if it's vitamin A, it's vitamin A2 should work too. We could probably you know, do it for far cheaper with a lower dose and still get a much higher concentration right in the eye. Um, now, will it form? Because once again, you have to have this stuff bond with, with the proteins in that area. So, I, you know, uh, it, there's still some questionable stuff there, but we're, we're definitely going to try it out. And it, it really goes hand in hand with, uh, with Grindfest. The theme of the next Grindfest is, uh, is going to be kind of, uh, what is it, the nature of man. We're exploring like the idea of, you know, war and, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, torture and lots of fun stuff, you know. And uh, going with that, of course, we're going to have an enormous paintball war. Uh, in the desert, you know, uh, in, in the dark. So if my team has night vision, uh, that's definitely an enhancement there. I love the way that you've uh, managed to take like natural um, things that things that occur in, in uh, sort of like natural life and take elements of those to, to bring into sort of like the grinding scene, as you, as you call it. Um, is there anything else that you've seen, like any, any sort of um, other things you've found um, with nature that you'd like to incorporate into into like the human body or anything like that at all? Oh god, yeah, tons of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really interesting. Okay, you look in biology and and, and uh, different different organisms have evolved different solutions. Um, you know, so for example, the eye. You know, I've looked at a lot of uh, different eye types of projects, and um, uh, 
uh, there's actually, what is it? I think it's, um, God, it's a particular shrimp and just their visual system is so much more advanced than ours. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, of course I've, I haven't figured out a way yet to, to really take advantage of that, but, um, you know, even things like, uh, um, the way, you know, certain organisms are, are armored, for example, and, uh, you know, really our skin, um, with the right input, um, with the right ways of, of changing, we could, we could really kind of express the right proteins in order to develop, you know, a hardened skin or, or, uh, you know, a keratin layer in a place where it didn't previously have one, things like that. I mean, I think there's a lot of potential in that, looking at how other organisms solve certain problems and, you know, and then trying to incorporate it into us. Um, you know, that said, the thing is, is, uh, really, you know, I, I personally, I don't go into, I don't really go into the, um, into genetics. Um, the thing with genetics is, you know, oh God, there's so much potential there. There's, there's so much stuff that would be a lot of fun, but, um, doing it properly and not actually giving someone super cancer is something you know, I'm, I'm personally concerned with. So when people really start talking about, um, you know, genetic modifications, there, there's a few things I'm interested in. Some people were uh, suggesting, uh, modifying, um, internal parasites to, ex you know, excrete certain, certain chemicals. And that's great. You know, you have this internal parasite, it does what you want. And when you're done with it, you can take something to kill the internal parasite or, you know, things along those lines. I'd definitely be more interested in trying to change my own genome, uh, less, less interested in. Um, so just, I want to go back quickly to what you said at Grindfest, where there's going to be a, a game of paintball going along. Uh, so your team will have the C6 drops, I'm imagining. Um, how are you going to test if it's improved? Are you going to have sort of like a free team game where one <laughs> has night vision goggles, um, another team has just standard human vision, and then your team will see six? Well, okay, definitely not the C6. That one's the photosensitizer that can make you go blind. It would be the vitamin A2 we'd be working with because it's, it's a far safer chemical to work with. Um, but yeah, I mean, addressing your question, um, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, the, the grinders work a little differently than you would have people working in, for example, academia. Um, and there's, there's good aspects of that and there's bad. You know, for example, you know, doing a project like this, I do the best I can. I try to do an ERG. I try to gather data. But at a certain point, you know, I just simply don't have the funding for it and you know I work a job I have you know everyone I'm working with works jobs and there's there's restrictions on this so you know in terms of really testing this out um yeah we'll definitely have a test group ahead of time we'll try to do it by ERG if we don't do it by ERG we'll just do it by visual tests visual acuity tests and uh, at different light levels and we'll do the best we can but you know of course we're going to have maybe eight people doing this and uh, that's just simply you know uh, in terms of statistics that's that's not a great number uh, this is nothing even close to what you would you would have if you were you know say developing a new drug and it was going into, you know, clinical testing, there's, this is, this is not even close. So, you know, we can draw the conclusion of, Hey, everyone who got this, we seem to perform better. We seem to have like, you know, really improved night vision. Um, if someone with a lot of money wants to back us, we will definitely um, do better tests, but you know, we're just kind of interested in what can we do to ourselves now and what's our, what's our subjective experience. You know, um, you, you really doing stuff like this. You have to be willing to kind of admit that you're not doing great science because you don't have the capability do great science you know and i'm okay with that so talking about you know somebody with money backing some of this uh have you ever thought about approaching like nasa with your products as like a technical technical aspect towards their plans towards a mission to mars you know i would think like eye drops you know would be a nice advantage for exploration yeah um okay so when i when i was working on the night vision project before um, we, I actually got contacted by a number of, uh, of people associated with the military and, uh, that was some freaky stuff and I'm not terribly interested in talking to these people. Uh, you know what, NASA, NASA would be cool if NASA wanted to me to, to work on something, but you know, uh, just being realistic. Okay. So I think that for the most part, DARPA does a great job and I don't see it realistic that I'm going to do a better job than them. Any project that I'm working on, um, it's, you know, it's not anything where I, I, you know, I, everything is completely open. Anyone who's interested, you know, all the information is there. I think that's important. I mean, I had a lot of people that are, um, you know, optometrists and whatnot that contacted me and gave me hints and talked to me about things. Um, and I think it's good to have that as open information. There's nothing that I'm really holding back. So I'm sure that if I was working on a project like this, NASA can probably do a better job than me. And if I made some kind of advance that, that uh, you know, they haven't yet, then I'm sure they can read my info, take it and run with it and still do a better job than me. So uh, it's probably not in their interest. They're probably not terribly interested in me, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, I think that stuff like that will really more occur in the realm of um, uh, interfacing with 
computers because there's a lot of limitations. I mean, you, you got to think of, of course, Google would be interested in, in having some kind of interface system that directly interfaces with the nervous system. I really don't think that uh, uh, the way that at least the laws locally are set up, um, they could do that, you know. And when you start having groups that are, that are working on things with, you know, a direct interface directly through the, you know, through the nerve, we're, we're putting, uh, you know, arrays, you know, under the skin and, and this and this, um, there's going to be a lot of stuff where people are taking chances and they're going to be advancing that science because other, you know, uh, more reputable companies, they, they're just not willing to take on the, the liability associated with it. But when you have some dude in his garage that's, you know, building these things and doing it, um, you know, they really do have the potential to push forward farther than anything else that's, that's going on right now. And I, I think that's kind of more the type of project that at some point you're going to have, you know, DARPA or NASA or someone, you know, knocking on your door being like, hey, you guys are doing a great job. Like, you know, want to want to work with us? You know, not, not so much the kind of small, small fry stuff that I'm working on. So uh, an interesting point, of your you saying obviously it's it's a lack of funding that allows you to do the the larger scale tests for the amazing results so you're you're working with what you have which is uh, definitely admirable but are there any things that really cause you setbacks and have you done anything to overcome them and if anyone else was starting to try and build build something within the remit of biohacking have you got any advice for them or even for other researchers? God, okay. Um, so my spiel to that, I would say uh, uh, would be recognition that um, there really is no one out there that's an expert on this. Um, there's no one out there that has so much more knowledge or, or so much more experience with this than, than you do. You'd be surprised. You know, I, I, I talk to people that, you know, they have degrees, PhD in this field or whatever. And, you know, you, you talk to them about some stuff and, and some of them just really don't know what you're talking about. And it's not because you're an idiot. It's because they just, they're not interested in what you're talking about. Um, uh, so, you know, I would say one of the big setbacks uh, is there really is no good magnet on the market right now. And uh, I've, you know, definitely been involved in developing magnets. And, um, you know, we've tried so many different coatings. There really are. Uh, and, you know, each of them for one reason or another has a problem. So, um, you know, for example, the titanium nitride coatings, um, you know, they have a tendency to fail after a certain point. And, and it really is, um, it's not the titanium nitride. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of them that are, are really good. Um, it's in manufacturing, when you're manufacturing, you're working with such a small little unit that getting this coating, this coating perfect, and it has to be perfect. Um, it's difficult, so it ends up being a manufacturing issue, or um, you know, really a lot of the stuff. Even um, you know, Grindhouse, they have their uh, North Star, and um, when they first started playing with the North Star, they, I mean, it didn't take them long to complete it. That wasn't the issue. It's, uh, it, it's that then they had to start playing around with the idea of bio coating it, you know. And they've worked it out. I mean, they have a, they have a, some bio coating now that really holds up well. It works out great, and um, but that was really the kind of developing that biocoding and then once you're done with that how do you test it you know um you know we go off of for the most part people in the, the brain community we go off of um, um there is a testing regimen that's used on whew, um japan the united states uses it uh, most of europe uses it and it has you know a list of tests that you do like cytotoxicity testing acute response testing things like this and you know we uh for cytotoxicity it's usually you send it out you get tested. Um, uh, you know, acute testing, um, most people shy away from any kind of animal testing. It usually ends up getting, somebody gets cut and, you know, bites the bullet. But I mean, for the most part, we're, we're, we are doing these types of tests, but it's, you know, it's expensive. It's, um, it's time intensive. Um, it's, it's kind of a pain. Uh, I would say the biggest thing holding, holding people back is, is finding appropriate biocompatible materials to work with. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot with that. And, and, you know, you'll find these materials and just because it's biocompatible doesn't mean it's optimal. There's one of the magnets that are still in the market that you know people really seem to like is there's a silicone uh, coated magnet but you know if you actually analyze it the size of the silicone first of all since magnets you know the magnetic field falls off it's something like uh, what is it like the square of the distance or something along those lines um, so the size of the coating is, is really important so you know when you're working with titanium nitride we're talking micron thick coating whereas with this the silicone you're talking you know a good millimeter of coating you know and, and you see you have a, a significant loss of field from that um, on top of that and if you cut these magnets open and you test them they don't test out as being N52s anymore, which N52s generally considered about the highest grade you can get of the uh, neodymium magnets. And they're not because when you coat them with the silicone, you're using too high of a temperature and you end up having loss of, of, uh, of essentially strength of field. So, you know, it's, it's, you keep having these things of, oh, we found a great coating, but, you know, it doesn't work for my particular application or, or this and this. So, 
uh, I would say that's kind of been the, the setback for a lot of people's projects. And um, in the last year or two, um, we found a lot of new stuff. And there's, that's one of the projects I'm working on right now is testing out a good five or six different new coatings. That, uh, and uh, about three of them, I'd say two or three of them look really, really promising. You know, as soon as we have something that you can, you can prototype with, that's, that's really the goal. Because sending something out to be coated in titanium or sending something out to be coated in silicone or sending something out to be coated in a lot of this stuff, it's, it's an expensive project. So or a process. So, you know, you have this new project, you'd really love to slap it together over the weekend and, you know, stick it in the body. It's not that simple when the coating has to be something, uh, you know, really unique or something uh, uh, that's hard to make. But if we could get a nice material that's easy to use and that, you know, you could do prototyping with, I think that would really push the, the grinding a lot further. So in your grind, what has been its single best, you know, moment of achievement? Oh, what's my best achievement? Um, God. Okay, so going back to the vitamin A2 kind of night vision project that I was doing. Um, okay, so my real my real goal with that was one that wasn't entirely achieved. But um, what it was is I, you know, I'm not I'm less interested in the night vision aspect. I'm more interested in the idea of seeing new colors. You know, you've got to think like, man, that would be so fantastic if you could somehow pick up on a color that no one had ever seen before. And uh, for the most part, you know, over a day to day basis, you know, I, I didn't really see this happening. But but there was a point where um, if you know that effect when you look at a bright light of a certain color and you kind of get the inversion of that color, um, when I would look at a bright light and then look away, there was a new color. And, you know, it's it's hard because it's this type of stuff is so subjective, you know, and I could be making this up and you'd have no way of confirming it. But no, <laughs> I swear, I would see this color and it was uh, this really weird, almost kind of like, I don't know if you've ever played with that idea of, uh, of impossible colors or restricted colors or whatever, you know, that uh, you try to force your brain to see. It, it was kind of like one of those where it's just like, ah, it's this color. I can't quite describe and it would always be after looking at a bright light and looking away and uh, you know I think you know I, I don't want to commit to this but I think I was looking at a color that um, I've never seen before and to me that was like dude this is awesome like this is this is actually working that I would say is is kind of my my moment where I'm like that was awesome that's definitely a great great uh, story and achievement for yourself especially if you're heading out to do something like that uh, I can just imagine if if you continued that way what, what sort of thing that you'd achieve um, yeah. would be seeing colors everywhere <laughs> yeah. um, the question I I wanted to ask you is basically um, because your background, you're you're a very skilled cutter, and you're asked to perform several uh, installations. Is there anything that sort of stands out in your mind as challenging with installations, or anything that you can share about the experience to help other people? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's funny. It's it's a learning process. I mean, you go through, you just keep getting better. Uh, obviously, in the beginning, I was working on myself primarily, so working on yourself uh, uh, is far more difficult than working on other people. I'll tell you that much. But <laughs> I would say one of my my harder experiences was actually with Doug. Uh, I was working on Doug you know and uh, man it was a room full of people there were probably 20 people in this room and they were so loud and there was uh, you know it was quite distracting I will tell you and uh, and uh, you know actually he had a lot of adhesions where his uh, his skin just didn't come up quite as nicely as uh, a lot of people did and you know what uh, I really struggled when I was putting in uh, his implant um, this was actually not that long ago so I've made new rules you know I'm, I'm never going to do it unless I'm in my controlled environment I, I've got to control my environment better and eh, it's a learning process so you know I'm packing a uh, nice big earplugs and headsets to keep myself from being distracted while doing so. I mean, no kidding. I don't know if you know this, Doug. I did another implant, the exact same implant, um, probably an hour before I did that on you. And it took me eight minutes, whereas yours took nearly 30. So I, it, as you could tell, when I finally said, um, everyone, please shut up. <laughs> that's about the time I realized like, ah, this is, I'm kind of struggling with this one. What, what implant was that one? Um, that's, that's Coop, by the way, that had the uh, implant done. Uh, what, what, what implant was it on this occasion? Oh, this was a Flex NT. On that one, uh, my skin didn't uh, didn't quite work with you as well as it should, but it was a learning experience for me too. You know, that's definitely why you know, I was uh, more than willing to experience a beta test because something a different way of you installing it than previous other people have installed, and it's also a new product. So I, I was kind of energetic about it. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. I'd just say it definitely was an experience. I'll <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll tell you what. So <laughs> I can describe this. No, I just. It, um, really, the, the big thing was is just having to go back in and, and uh, clear out the area more and more. Uh, it, it just, you know, normally you can really make just a clean incision, undermine, just do some, you know, quick, sharp or blunt dissection and lift the skin up, pop it in. And uh, I was really having trouble clearing out a lot of the, the areas of adhesion underneath. You know, it took a lot longer than I should have. I wasn't entirely happy with the placement. I mean, there's a lot of things I could say about it. Uh, that definitely wasn't my best work. Um, but, you know, um, to, a, to a certain extent, I blame it on my environment. But, you know, I also don't want to shy away from taking responsibility for it as well. 
Um, as you know, as of now, I've done a number of these flex NTs, and um, they they slide in beautifully. I mean, they're it's it's a really easy to work with. I I tried a couple also from another vendor that was a similar product, and uh, you know, I, it's the the stiffness of the ones that are being provided from dangerous things are just it's really nice to work with uh, i quite like the way that even as we're saying you're, you're a skilled cutter but even yourself you know you come across these sort of challenges and they don't sort of push you away of doing things especially for someone that maybe maybe firstly goes up to their first install it doesn't quite go to plan you know it's almost like a message that says you know don't give up it's, it's gonna be fine just uh, mountains to climb it in general for everyone so i think that's quite quite a nice story to share of the project you've done and are currently working on do any of them stand out you can share about them without revealing any kind of proprietary information that you don't want to leak until it's released oh god yeah um yeah first of all there is Nothing that I do is proprietary. <laughs> I, I really believe in the community in terms of sharing. So if someone, you know, if I'm coming up with something and someone else comes up with a, with a better way of doing it or a better product, that's great. Right? That's that's how I think we should really work. Um, uh, in terms of projects I'm working on right now, um, we actually have a project coming up next week, and it's um, it's one we've already done the first trial on. It's the second trial of the VIP project. So VIP is vasoactive intestinal polypeptide. This is um, this is a messenger that's found. Well, it was an, originally found actually in the intestines of a of a pig. So that's there you go. But um, it's actually um, uh, found in the human brain and it's associated with circadian rhythms. So going into it initially, my, my big interest was ways to kind of change your biological midnight, you know, ways of changing, you know, hey, can, you know, can we get over, um, yeah, can we get over um, jet lag, you know, really rapidly with a product? Or can we, you know, adjust so that we, you know, immediately go to sleep and get a great amount of sleep? Or, you know, can we adjust so we don't have the need for sleep? Or can we change our sleep rhythms so they're now, you know, two hour intervals or, you know, just, just a lot of stuff. It was really started as a sleep project. Um, and after we did our, our initial administration with it, really sleep wasn't what was primarily affected. We had a lot of effects though regarding memory. So in particular, there was one test we were doing that was a visual verbal test. And I mean, it was just, I, I think my initial scores for control data was something like, I, I was scoring something like 600, you know, and the score immediately after uh, administration ended up being something ridiculous, 18,000. I mean, it was just, it, it was night and day. It was, it was ridiculously different. And the other people that uh, administered had similar results to this, um, you know, and so we were definitely interested in going further with it. So uh, we did more research. We changed the dosage to match some other protocols and uh, you know we have a good 10 people involved now and uh, next weekend is actually administration we've been you know gathering data for the last month with people and uh, you know I'm gonna have people up in my lab we're gonna be uh, taking it through the nose it's uh, it's uh, intranasal uh, is is the way it's administered which is a really great route um, it absorbs directly into the brain and, and bypasses the uh, the blood-brain barrier so you know if we were trying to use this and doing it by IV for example it wouldn't work you, you'd actually have to have enough by IV to pass through the blood-brain barrier to the extent of where you would pretty much have a explosive diarrhea. Um, it's, uh, it's it's not a great thing. But hey, nobody had got it when we did it by the nose. It's, it's good. Um, there's a number of chemicals like this. So, um, we're also working on a, on a device to make administration through the nose uh, a little simpler. Um, it's kind of a pain. You end up with like your forehead to the ground for 20 minutes and I'm hoping to circumvent that. But um, overall, I mean, we're, we're using um, a different approach in terms of gathering data. And uh, I really think, I really want to see how this how this works out. I want to see if really the, the effect that we saw last time, if we can get some, some much better data on it and if so and this stuff really seems to have some potential uh, before moving any further into our interview with jeff tibbetts we want to take a pause for a moment uh, to share a message from our friends at biohacking con uh, so we want to be more together at 2017 body hacks in austin texas 27th of january to the 29th you'll learn throughout a two-track two-day conference and discover more of the best in our companies and biohacking. Connect with your fellow cyborgs at the hub and the party in the wormhole this year, put together at the Body Hacks Fashion Show. Show opens uh, the event on Friday night at Austin Convention Center. Be more together at biohackingcon.com. Earlier you mentioned Grindfest. When is it? Also, can you tell you know, one of your favorite memories from it? Oh, sure. But you know what? Before I talk Grindfest, I'm going to continue with uh, new projects for a minute. Cool. Okay, so I've uh, probably, you guys have probably, have you ever interviewed Rich Lee? He's on the schedule. He'll be coming up here. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. Rich Lee, great guy. Uh, actually, uh, there's a project I've been working on with uh, with Mark uh, Proteus, who uh, he actually had the implant at uh, DEF CON. So you might have seen this. It's uh, actually, we've been working on armor implants. So um, it's actually, a, a tube filled with a non-Newtonium fluid. Really amazing stuff. So, you know, you uh, 
we were, you know, making, uh, you know, cuffs that we wrapped around our hand and you could punch basically a, a sheer 90 degree edge at full strength and it, it basically the material turns into a solid. So um, we trialed it, we put an implant into Mark and uh, uh, it really turned out well. He really, you know, could, I don't know, pretty much block a baseball bat. It was pretty impressive stuff with his implant. So, you know, uh, I'm actually going to be putting a couple of them in Rich's shins, uh, also coming up on the 23rd. Um, also, uh, Mark and me have been working on a project that uh, involves cooling your blood in order to enhance uh, athletic performance. So that's something we've been working on. Uh, you know, a lot of projects, a lot of projects in the works, you know, and a lot of them, a lot of the projects end up being designed around Grindfest every year to where we're kind of like, hey, you know, what, what can we do? Uh, so, for example, Ben Beasy is somebody who uh, Rich has worked with and he's uh, come out with some stuff. Uh, one of them is a device that works through bone trans, uh, transduction of sound through the bone, through your skull essentially. And uh, so, for example, we're hoping he has his device up and running so that we can use this at Grindfest, you know, uh, uh, a bunch of people running around in the desert with, you know, talking to each other through bone conduction, you know, things like this. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, talking about Grindfest, Grindfest is great. It's a, it's an annual event that I hold um, generally in, what, March. Um, and uh, we get a lot of people from the community that come out that it's, you know, normally you don't have this whole group of people in one place. And, you know, people flying out from Australia and people flying out from Germany and what, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, everybody showing off their new devices and working together to make new stuff and then just doing a lot of weird stuff on top of it that's a lot of fun. Uh, so, you know, the first Grindfest wasn't really themed. It was kind of like, hey, everybody got together. We had a blast. Uh, second one was themed. Of, the theme was, uh, what was it? It was Altered States. That was the theme. So we were expect, experimenting with a lot of chemicals and, you know, uh, a lot of different ways to alter the mind, uh, which, you know, I really can't go into detail on here about, but trust me, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, the next one, the theme is, uh, is um, the state of man or something along those lines. It, it basically, what is it? Yeah, I mean, it's not violence and bloodshed, but it might as well be. Uh, yeah, the idea, the reason we changed the name is because it's like we, wanna, we don't want people to think that we're actually advocating for these things. I mean, it really, we're going to be doing, you know, the first night really is dedicated towards um, means of uh, kind of physically manipulating people or, or you know uh, pretty much uh, I guess the easiest way to say is the, the first night's dedicated towards torture so we're going to be you know um, uh, waterboarding everybody now that seems like you know why, why would you do this you know but I'm mean, really honestly it, it doesn't waterboarding seem like you would totally be able to do this and it wouldn't be a problem I mean they're just pouring water over your face it's not a big deal but if you read anyone who's been waterboarded it's supposedly like this absolute terrible terrible thing that like you cannot stand for more than a short period of time so I mean it's this is the idea of like you know being um, you know, against the idea of torture wouldn't be interesting to have that experience and have firsthand knowledge, you know, so it's kind of goes along those lines. And then you get into the biohacking aspect of it. Of, okay, well, now what can we do in order to uh, change, you know, how we react, you know, on an acute level to this idea of torture, or how can we change things so torture is no longer necessary? You know, can we come up with a way of uh, getting information out of someone that doesn't involve torture? Yeah, uh, just people, it's, uh, you come up with some pretty interesting solutions to it. So the next thing is, of course, war. The idea of war, uh, we're going to go out in the desert. We've got a great site. We're going to go out and essentially have a paintball war, which will be far more than just paintballs. <laughs> um, a lot of people have a lot of ideas for, for different things to use on each other, and uh, it should be pretty uncomfortable overall um, and a lot of fun. So, you know, it's just kind of running with it. But, I mean, the, the goal really of Grindfest is to not only get people together, have them interact you know, in person, um, but also to kind of uh, inspire people towards finishing the projects for next year. You know, when you talk to Grindhouse, um, you know, hey, it, it took them a long time to come up with some of their products. It's, it's, you know, a lot of it was manufacturing difficulties. I can't, I can't chide them for that. But, you know, when it comes down to, hey, look, you've got, you've got a deadline, come out and demonstrate your product. If you can make your, Nor you know, North Star 2, where you can actually control, you know, a drone with it, then this is going to be a pretty cool thing. You know, um, you know I know uh, Emil Fr uh, Grostra, he just just recently came out with, um, I believe it was an ARFID controlled firearm to where you could not fire the firearm unless you actually had an ARFID, you know, that, that it recognized, you know, and it's like, oh, I'd love to have them out demonstrating this out there. Um, there's just, you know, a lot of stuff and it just kind of, uh, it's not that we're really trying to in, in any way say that these things are okay or that we agree with these things. It's more along the lines of it's a discussion. This is a discussion. If you totally disagree with, you know, uh, any form of, of, of warfare, if you're, you know, totally a pacifist, good, come out and, you know, tell us about it and tell us how you'd like to make that reality because it's not a reality now it's 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 really to open dialogue so uh, it's i, I advise uh, anybody interested in coming out no cameras but uh, other than that it's a lot of fun uh you described a very interesting event you got all three of us clamoring saying 
is there a website? Are there tickets? What's the cost? Mainly, we're, we're, we're curious. We want to go. Oh, okay. You want to go? Okay. Want to listen to it. They're like, okay, where's the damn URL? I want to buy my ticket now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you what. Uh, if you are interested in it, I run a blog, Augmentation Limitless, and there is a tab at the top that says Grindfest, and it has all the information you need to come to Grindfest. You know, I'll uh, put it over to your little chat box right now. I'll copy of that link to you. So, yeah, it's uh, this year, it's going to be, or next year, sorry, it is uh, April 22nd through the 24th. It's three days. People usually camp out here or you can get a local hotel room. Um, you, you know, the first days at the lab, the second days in the desert, third days at the lab. And uh, there's a lot of stuff planned. You know, a lot of people end up speaking and uh, there's a lot of little mini classes. You know, last year um, it was teaching people how to suture. So, you know, you have a lot of people doing procedures at home. Uh, knowing how to suture well is a good thing. So that was that was the lesson last year for me anyways. Um, we also had people talking about coatings. We had people talking um, about a lot of stuff. Uh, so it's also good, a lot of good information that's provided too. Um, I will send this link to you. Do you mind if we share it on show notes? Oh, no, go for it. Okay. The second part of it is, is uh, there's no fee. Um, it's it's totally just show up, hang out. I mean, uh, if you're interested in, in contributing, you know, bring some steaks, bring some beer, bring Bring some stuff for the vegetarians, you know, um, bring your projects, uh, you know, be willing to maybe carry some trash or whatever. I mean, from my experience, I've, I've never been to a party where when everyone walks away, it's like your house is cleaner than it was before. And But amazingly enough, this community is that way. I mean, everyone seems to really pitch a hand. Um, I get a lot of help. There's um, Cyberlast is a, is a grinder out of San Francisco. And um, she does a lot of, she really helps me a lot with planning and, and, and getting this together. Uh, also, uh, uh, Mark Proteus, you know, he comes down from Canada every year and, you know, he, he always does a lot. It, it really, um, but, but overall, I mean, I think everybody does a lot. A lot of people, they're just willing to, to kind of throw down and do whatever. So, you know, I've had people that it's like, I need a hole over here. We're building a secret tunnel, dig this hole, you know? And it's, oh yeah, sure. How many cubic feet do you need moved? You know, I mean, everybody's, everybody usually is totally willing to throw in however they're able to. It's a lot of fun. I can't wait to go to that. So I think I'm going to book some flights. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth it. Trust me. It's a lot of fun. It's hard to describe without making sound absolutely batshit. But I mean, I guess it is kind of batshit overall, but it's, it's totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, it just sounds like uh, like one of those things you'll look back on and you'll be like, you know what, that was great. Yeah, so, any, any party involving like surgery and nootropics and, and whatnot, it, it's a party you want to go to. Hopefully not at um, the same time. Yeah, no, at the same time. It's, it's, it makes it more fun, trust me. It's, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> so we've spoken about quite a lot of your projects. Um, the, some people do really want to try and some of them, you work really hard on just to make sure that you're delivering the right product and it's safe for everyone. How do you ensure the safety of a product before you send it out or even before you test it either on yourself or someone that is accepting to beta? Well, I'll tell you what, um, with my projects in particular, it's less of an issue. It's usually on me or somebody I know. But uh, uh, you know what? I don't really develop products. And that's one of the reasons I'm not terribly interested in selling products. Is, um, you know, you really, you take on all that liability. You take on... Um, you could definitely be legally challenged with a lot of the stuff uh, if you're, you're developing products. I'm not. I'm just doing projects. Um, I do run into the issue of, hey, um, you always have that problem of you're not, you're not really making money. You're spending a lot of money to do projects, and, and it's not coming back in. And that's true, but um, it does get away. You know, I, I don't want to be talking to people online and sending stuff out in the mail and, and selling products. I, it's just it's, it's not my thing. Um, you know, it, I do like the idea. There's a few people that I've worked with who do sell products that they're willing to say, you know, hey, work this out, develop this product. I'll buy the product off of you and I'll, I'll sell it. And they're kind of, uh, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, that's a great, that's a great model for me. Um, in terms of safety, uh, yeah, you know, the only real safety stuff, um, when you're dealing with, with, for example, chemical messengers, peptides and things, um, really your best bet is looking at research that's previously been done. Um, so most of the things, for example, the VIP, the VIP, it's uh, prior to us doing it, I know of no instances of humans doing it intranasally and having it uh, really have this neurological effect, but it's been done in rats, like it's been done to death in rats. So looking at the safety um, uh, in terms of a number of experiments done on like marine models, uh, that's really your best bet. But until you actually, you know, use this on someone, you, you, you have no idea. So uh, it is a chancy thing. It is a risky thing. And that's why, you know, I, I obviously wouldn't be selling this to someone. I wouldn't be, you know, trying to tell them, oh, yeah, it's perfectly safe. This is good. Take this thing, you know, or it's going to have this great effect on you. Um, not to mention, you know, amongst even groups of humans, uh, a lot of people, they'll respond entirely different to, to um, different chemicals. So, you know, you have someone who's an outlier and has an anaphylactic shock, 
You know, it's, uh, I, I certainly hope you didn't sell it to them. You know, the only real stuff that I've worried with safety is I'm um, working with, for example, the magnets and, um, pretty much we've been using the same protocols that any company would in terms of developing a product for implantation and, uh, sticking with those protocols. Um, if it looks good, it's, it's probably good. You've definitely done like a wide range of different projects that you've spoken to us about today. I'm sure that's only a small segment of what, what you've done. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna push you for for a light bulb moment. Now obviously you spoke about your 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 breakthrough, um, being able to see the new colours, but an actual light bulb moment where you thought, you know what, this would be a great idea, or uh, if you had a few of them along the way. God, um, I think the light bulb moment for me was really more um, in terms of ability. Um, okay, so you know uh, you have a lot of people that go to these 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 sites, you know, like for example, the biohack.me site, it's a, it's, it's a great site, you know, and you have people who are new and you'll see people and they'll start talking about something where they're like, you know, Hey, what do you think about coding with Sugru? And you'll have a, you know, another big group of people be like, Oh no, no, you shouldn't do that. And this and this, or, you know, coding in gold. I think that was the one that stuck out to me is that, like, you should never coat something in gold. It's going to fail within a year. And you know, that's the thing is that it's like, well, you know, I've been here a really long time and I remember when we first tried gold and it failed. And I don't think our conclusion was gold won't work. I think it was that this particular process we used for gold won't work. And gold is, I mean, gold's used in pacemakers. Um, gold is a great biocompatible material. So seeing people kind of, you know, going and regurgitating based upon stuff that maybe you've previously said or, or other people that have been around a little longer and what they've previously said, it's the recognition that it's like, we're all full of crap here. You know, like, like you can't take anyone serious. You have to really do the research yourself, you know, and, and that even goes so far as to reading research people, you'll find stuff that you're like, no, 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 this totally flies in the face of this other stuff. And you're the, the protocol you were using. That's why you got those results, even though they're bunk results. And you've got to realize that it's, uh, you got to get, got to get away from the idea of someone out there is, is a master of this and realize that it's no, no. If, if you're interested in something like biohacking, there are risks. And the way you ameliorate the risks are through teaching yourself, through learning. And always coming to it with kind of a, a beginner's mind. You, know, you can't come into it thinking you're an expert. You come into it thinking, I know nothing, you know, and I'm going to, you know, approach this as if I know nothing. And hopefully then I'll learn and I'll be able to, to get to a point to where I can, you know, do a project that I want to do. A question that I've come up with while uh, we've been talking today is, have you ever made a discovery by accident? So if you've been researching, uh, so a, a means of changing your sleep pattern, for example, has that led you to make a discovery you didn't expect to, to find? Um, actually, mostly, most of those have been in doing uh, procedures on people. Uh, there's a lot of stuff where, um, so for example, when I first started doing procedures and planning magnets, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple procedure, but I noticed that, hey, look, if I actually, you know, go and uh, separate the tissue all the way around the incision site, it seems to heal up a lot better, you know, rather than just going one direction, you know, I can, I can cut the opposite direction, free the skin from the subsurface, and, and, this, and then, of course, you know, I'm, I, you know, a year later, I'm reading about uh, suturing and doing um, surgical procedures in some book, you know, and it talks about how, oh, yes, the best way to do it is to do this. So it's kind of like, you know, unfortunately, I have to say I've reinvented the wheel like a thousand times. And it's, <laughs> it always feels good to have it be like, you know, confirmed that this is, this is the proper way to do it. You know, it's, oh, great. I've been doing it the right way, but I discovered it on my own. Like, okay, cool. Um, you know, in terms of the other stuff, uh, I wouldn't say I've really stumbled across much. Most of it really has been the product of working hard, doing a lot of research and doing a lot of reading or a lot of uh, footwork. Well, if there's one thing you would want to say to someone thinking about getting their first body modification, um, what would you say or have uh, you said to someone in the past to help ease their concern? God, well, do your own research. But beyond that, um, I would get involved. If you get involved with the community, great place to start is biohack.me. Uh, biohack.me is a site. This is where, you know, any of the people that I'm talking about probably are signed up and talking on there. And uh, it's great because, you know, if you lack expertise in a certain field, you can find someone else in that field and have a, a discussion where they don't make you feel stupid about it, you know, and you can, uh, you can come up with ideas, spit them out and have people shoot you down, but not in a way that makes you feel dumb. It shoots you down in a way of, you know, now you have something to work with and you have to overcome the obstacles that they, they set for you. It's a, it's a great site. Um, and I think anybody really interested in this, that's, that's where they should start. Going from there though, um, oh, there's, there's just so much, um, you know, I mean, we live in the age of Google and beyond Google and Google Scholar, there's tons of different uh, uh, of places where you can go and, and really 
really, I mean, God, what's the one? Um, it's really awesome. Um, I think it was down last time I checked, but it's probably back up is uh, there is a site that's allowing you to pretty much pull any, any research document you want. Uh, it's kind of the torrent of uh, research documents. And so now you can pretty much get anything you want without going through the paywalls. You know? um, there's, there's a lot of resources like that, that, um, you know, really, I think people should be involved and they should read the actual research for themselves. It's, it's easy to go off of what someone said, but then you, you run the risks of um, maybe they misinterpreted what was being said, or maybe they cherry picked the data that looked good for them and missed the stuff that said, you're also going to get cancer. You know, um, you really got to watch out for that stuff. And like I said, it's, this is, this is a type of thing where if you want to contribute, um, you definitely should get involved at biohack.me and you should, you know, really get used to doing the research yourself. If you just want to be kind of an onlooker or, you know, someone uh, that just wants to get the implants once they're done, um, it's also a good place because you can hear what people are saying about it and you know, kind of get it down. You know, so for example, you know, there's questions that just come up over and over the, um, regarding um, the ARFID implants or the, you know, the, the various chip implants, you know, there's, uh, there's a little bit of confusion there. You know, there's, there's different vendors that are using either the same name and sometimes a different name. And there's uh, stuff where, you know, even me sometimes uh, from dangerous things, some of their products, I'm like, wait, 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 was this the one that, that is uh, in ARFID? Does it have this protocol or a different protocol? And, you know, it's, it's one of these things where it's, 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 it could be confusing, you know? So, you know, you go to biohack.me and you can see, and you can say, Hey, look at my work, they're using this protocol. Am I going to be able to copy my work ID over to this protocol? Or am I going to be able to use this with this particular model of phone? And people will give you their experience and tell you yes or no, or maybe, or, you know, do it and then tell us your results or things like that. You know, it's, it's great. It's just a, a place where you can have uh, just, you know, open, honest dialogue. What do you see for the future of biohacking? And you've been saying a lot about biohack.me uh, being a great place to get started. So I do agree um, with biohack.me having a lot of information on there, but is there anywhere else you would say people can start from um, other than doing like a, a quick Google search on the implant they're thinking of getting? Um, it, you know, it's difficult. It depends on uh, what expertise you're looking for. So, you know, I, I, I run a blog. I probably update it once every three months, four months. So it's like, yeah, it's not a great place. It's, <laughs> um, you know, it just depends. It's, it's really, I don't think other than biohack.me, which allows you to get in touch with the people that you should be in touch with. I, I don't think there's any real repository of knowledge out there. And, uh, you know, there's a Wikipedia, there's a wiki site on, or wiki section of the biohack.me that um, attempts to do answer a lot of the questions. But um, once again, um, really, there isn't that resource at this point in time. You know, in terms of the future of biohacking or grinding or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, I really think that the next big thing is going to be machine, you know, uh, brain-computer interfacing. Uh, there are so many people that are interested in this that are actually really good at what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know Grindhouse has a project that they're, they're interested in starting regarding this. You know, I've spoken to a few people regarding this. There's been certain advances that make it simpler in terms of some of the uh, uh, implanting some of the electrodes, essentially, uh, involving this that gets away from some of the problems that develop some of the scars that form and whatnot that prevent signal from, you know, really preventing this from being like a long-term solution. Um, also with machine learning, being able to interpret, um, you know, the signal that it's getting, things like that. I really think that's the next step. I mean, until we're able to, uh, on some level, interface with devices, um, uh, we're going to be stuck with magnets and, and junk like that. Uh, there's also, you know, um, kind of my my interest comes down more into um, a lot of the peptides and messengers and, and stuff you can do with, you know, endogenous chemicals in, uh, in the body. And, uh, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out of that as well. There's ways of really changing our relationship with sleep, ways of enhancing memory formation, ways of, you know, changing your cognition in terms of alertness and sleep. Uh, there's just a lot to it that I think um, has potential. There's tons of stuff that's out there that's been researched and then forgotten about. So, um, you know, there's a lot of those types of projects I think are going to really be worked on in the next five years or so. I can't wait to see what, what, what sort of goes out and uh, also what you continue to do in your own research uh, i'd like to thank you again so that's jeff tibbetts speaking us to us today uh, now if you like what we're doing and you want to support, support our efforts go to our homepage, dangerousminds.io and click on the image of the t-shirts and the hoodies it will take you to our teespring sale and 100 percent of the campaign will go towards the podcasts um, so check them out there's stickers there as well um, and they're all available through our main page uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast via itunes google play music and rss feed or uh, and telepod if like cooper you like the open source solutions and uh 
of course, all links we've discussed today will be added to the podcast there in the show notes. We want to thank you again for listening to us explore further the tech and the people behind it within this fastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, implantable technology today. Please feel free to reach out to us with questions, comments. You're welcome to find us at dangerousthings.io and we perhaps we will one day be talking to you about the work and the projects you're exploring and developing. Until next week, keep the spark. Project won't compile, it'll be alright Computer science for life, and that's my direction Instead of be bows, my homies throw exceptions